1: let's do this strick is ready now. probably been up all night you know i got home uh, i don't know like 12 30 or so mm-hmm.
2: four hours and before me
1: texting with charlie marlowe <laughs> And he had tweeted something about grabbing a beer at home and sitting up, whatever. And I said, Just one beer? And he said, What about you? And I said, Honestly, I knocked out about three. <laughs> long day, long day. drink, what'd you drink? And then he, I had some uh, Stella Artois in the oh, fridge. Okay. And then Charlie wrote back, Okay, dude, I had two, but the first one never counts. I'm like, I didn't know that. Mm. So the first, so Strick only had nine beers last night because the first one didn't count. Uh, what a night at Enterprise Center. A lot of discussion about whether it was the greatest Blues game ever. Doesn't really matter. Your answer is your own. If you were at a game that you liked better, I guess that could be your answer. But mm-hmm. you've known Pat Maroon for a long time. I yes. covered him when he was on the Bandits. Mm-hmm. I didn't know anything about the guy. Chaser said, please go out there, do a story. There's a local kid playing for John Cooper. Mm-hmm. Never heard of John Cooper. He ends up being the coach at Tampa Bay Lighting. Like,
2: Who's John Cooper? I,
1: he was. I think a lot of people would have said that 10 years ago. Of course, Pat Maroon, and I think the story that you would know maybe as as well as anyone. There were rumors that he was going to get put on waivers this year. Do you think that was ever true? And what did Army tell him about saying you're not going anywhere?
2: Well, there's a couple different ways to look at this. I think there was probably some discussion about him going on waivers. Yes. Uh, how serious it got? We may never know. We may find out after the year. Um, I think he believed there was a possibility that he was going to go on waivers. Um, now, in terms of the conversation that Doug Armstrong had with the players, this took place in Edmonton, West Coast, Western Canadian road trip. The team got in there the day before the game, and he met with every player individually. It was not a group meeting and essentially told each of the players that, hey, I'm I'm not trading you. And I think that allowed some guys to settle down and relax a little bit because, hey, let's face it, Trade rumors are not easy. I can't tell you uh, how many agents I heard from this year saying, what are you hearing about trade rumors? Because my client, a blues player, specific blues player, um, it's really distracting him and creating issues in terms of his ability to focus and play hockey because it it goes beyond just the rink. When you're involved in trade rumors – and your wife hears about it. You have kids that are in school. You may be doing renovations on your home. You, you've got a lot of stuff going on. And I think it's very difficult for certain players to deal with that, especially if they've never dealt with that before. So Doug Armstrong had the conversation with a number of players, and I think it really helped several guys just relax and settle down. Because, you know, a lot of the focus about trade rumors were on the star players, Petrangelo, Petrangelo tarasenko some of those guys but no one talked about pat maroon now pat maroon who was probably involved in some of those talks i don't know how easy it would have been to trade him when you consider that he was struggling early on but you mentioned waivers and now all of a sudden you hang on to him and and he's coming through on a number of different occasion, uh, occasions not just last night but in other occasions as well down the stretch
1: uh, let's hear from Craig Baruby. This is on the Pat Maroon Turnaround. Strick is wearing headphones. Holy crap. Oh, my God. Whoa, <laughs> this, is a a, this is a big day. Western Conference we're final, Strick comes out prepared. To the third round, okay, All okay
2: right. you stepped let's it up. Let's go out. to Craig Berube now. Thank you. Thank you. I'd like you to refer to him as Patty for from now, now on. on? Yeah. Patty.
1: I think some people were disappointed when he got here and didn't
2: wear the number five because mm-hmm. they wanted it to be Maroon 5, which yeah. is kind of funny. But the number seven. Number seven was the number he wore with the Bandits back in the day and his number growing up playing for the AAA Blues and some of the other organizations he played with.
1: And it just makes the narrative even better. In a game seven. May 7th. May 7th at home. Pat Maroon gets your game winner. Here's Pat Maroon, his thought process there on that winning goal. Make sure you get to puck in. Damn it! Because if I
2: miss that, uh, I'd be on the other side of it, not the hero, and a lot of booze. So, uh, what a game! Uh, like I said, it's the team deserves that win. We fought so hard, and
0: we're going to con- continue to fight. It's not over yet. That's two series down. Now we got the conference finals coming up, which is going to be a really another another test for us. It's going to be another battle. How about
1: that third line overall? Mm-hmm. Bozak, Maroon, Robert Thomas. Yeah. Remind me. When did those three get put together? How long has it been? Well, it's
2: been several weeks now. I mean, really the last month and a half of the season. And, you know, it helped everybody. I mean, Robert Thomas is the guy who drives that line. He's just been sensational. And there was some discussion earlier in the series between Craig Berube and Robert Thomas about potentially moving Thomas off of that line, sliding him up to play left wing with Ryan O'Reilly, even though he's been playing on the right side and he's a natural centerman. And he basically asked Robert Thomas, can you play the left side? And Thomas said yes, he can. And then what happened was Sammy Blay actually got inserted into the lineup prior to Game Six, and we all know what happened in that game. And Blay scores a big goal, and Thomas stayed on the third line. But yesterday there were some some shifts during the game where Robert Thomas slid up, and he did play on the left side with O'Reilly and Perron, and um, you know they got a good look there. I mean he's so good. At some point in time, Thomas is going to have to slide up the lineup and probably play with, I don't want to say more capable offensive players, but certainly guys who probably play a more offensive role than Bozak. You know, Bozak didn't have a shot on goal last night. One of the only two players who didn't have a shot on goal, him and Bo but he won a huge faceoff and he does so many other things well that help you win games. And Pat Maroon obviously has been a big part of it, his ability to hang on to pucks and, and really get to their game. You talk about the Blues' identity, it's the way that line plays specifically getting pucks in deep, controlling the play down low, and and generating their offense off of their forecheck. That's how they play. But Robert Thomas is so good. This guy is going to be unbelievable. But I was talking to Maroon's fiancé after the game last night, and um, he said before the second overtime that he looked up at his son and his son gave him a thumbs up, and Pat Maroon looked back at him and kind of gave him a little bit of a fist pump. And it was almost like she said it was almost freaky, like it was like, like meant to be. You know, you talk about all these sevens and whatever. And then being at, a, at an establish, establishment last night after the game, Pat Maroon walks in and the entire place starts going crazy and celebrating him. He's the king of the town right now, no doubt. And
1: he almost got the first goal. I think for a minute people thought it went off um, of him. But I think
2: he thinks he, he did as well. He got a piece of it. Yeah. And if you watch the replay, it looked like it changed direction. Obviously, it was credited to Dunn, but still, regardless if it. Uh, went off a maroon or not, I mean, he's still where he's supposed to be in front of Ben Bishop It certainly distracted Bishop.
1: The uh, Kentucky Derby has just ruled that that goal will Mm. now go to maroon. They've gone back and changed it. If (laughs) anything, you're right, he was in front creating traffic, helping that goal go in.
2: Uh, uh, He plays a brand, Martin, (gasps) that you really don't find too many guys play nowadays in the National Hockey League, and you need to have players on your roster who have some pushback. So he is a big-time favorite of Craig Berube, Berube loves players who play with a little bit of that jam in their game, if you will, who bring Damn. that pushback. I like that. And you know, they don't have any guys who are who are built like that, who bring that type, you know that style of hockey. You don't have too many guys who play that way anyway in the entire league. Maroon is one of the very few who does it on the Blues roster. He's got a lot of respect from the coaching staff.
1: Uh, uh, Willie, I think do we have Robert Thomas. <laughs> Hit the right button, please. <laughs> and
0: that's kind of been the story, the story of our season. You know, when our backs are against the wall, we we play our best and we find a way to. You know, fight through it. Uh, you know, going into Game Six of Dallas, that was a that was a tough win to get. So, uh, I mean, that's kind of the story of our season. Um, you know, we just keep on battling
2: and, and finding a way to keep on moving forward.
0: I was tempted to play the wrong clip on purpose. Mm. Well, uh, do we have the goalie? Uh, uh, that's Bill got a,
2: Bennington? Let's uh, go linebacker Orlando Pace. Oh, really, Orlando. <laughs> oh, no. Why did you write linebacker? <laughs>
1: Oh, this is the most inside of all. It's hopefully Willie Springer's listening. All right, one more he cut. He was at
0: the game last night Willie Springer was. Was he? Yeah, he was posting some great photos and videos of uh, his reaction. Uh,
1: uh, let's go to They call him Binner, I believe, the goalie.
0: It was fun for the first three or four periods and then uh, I'm starting to get a little tired there, but um the guys were incredible tonight, obviously. Uh, had a, a lot of shots and
2: um, even quality shot or quality shots, which is uh which is good and um you know, we fought right till the end. You know, I added John and Pat um, Bennington to my staff last night. The parents of Jordan right, Bennington. Go. So they're now officially on my staff. So welcome aboard. Great people. Welcome aboard. Um, this is a big day for them. Well, you know, and, and honestly, gotten to know John over the course of the year. He's around. He's after games. He's a hilarious guy without even trying to be funny. Very dry sense of humor. Very similar to Jordan. And he had a great comment last night talking about the difference between the two goaltenders. He said, hey, when Bishop gets hit, he flops. When Jordan gets hit, he attacks. And Ooh. that was the difference between the two goaltenders. Although I will say this, and, and Ben Bishop, you mentioned Maroon. I've known him for a long time. I've known Bish for a long time as well. I mean, going back far before he went to University of Maine or, you know, played professional hockey. And this guy was in a great mood after the game last night. I mean, I talked to him for a little bit just to go over there to say hello and tell me, because I mean, he had an unbelievable performance. Last no night. doubt. I mean, he was... Incredible! This guy is an elite, an elite, world-class goaltender. His team, le- his team, le- his team let him down. I mean, they had four shots on goal combined in the last two periods of regulation. The Dallas Stars were sleeping. In the third period of Game Five, they slept all the way through Game Six, and they slept most of Game, most of the game yesterday in Game Seven. I mean, they slept. And Ben Bishop is the only reason why Dallas even reached a Game Seven to begin with. So, uh, but he was just, I mean, he was like, how did we not win that game? How'd that one not go in? You know, kind of smiling, whatever. Are you going to be around this summer? I mean, he was, he had turned the page relatively quickly. I think he knew he played a great game. And his parents were in the suite next to us uh, in last night's game. And the look on his. Well, Strick was in the suite, it sounds like to uh, me. I was in the press box with the working uh, crew. Our studio. But the the look of, uh, on his parents' face. During the game and then once the game ended, I mean, you got to feel for the parents of any player on a losing team, but especially the goaltender. I could not imagine having my kid be a goaltender in a game like that last night.
1: And his career numbers now in a game seven. He's played in three of them. Mm-hmm. He has two shutouts. Yeah. Overall, he's given up two goals on 107 shots. Incredible. Nothing to hang your head incredible. about that. Incredible, yeah. Uh, the Blues advancing. We just don't know who they're going to be facing. They are 4-0 this season against Colorado. According to Hoff has looked at the stats 1-1-1 and against the Sharks. The prevailing wisdom seems to be you don't want to face the Sharks. Do you agree with that?
2: I mean, I guess. I mean, technically on paper, they're the better team. But, I mean, this is the Stanley Cup playoffs. They're in a game seven right now. Um, so, obviously, Colorado's doing something right. They've got big-time star power at the top of their lineup, some, you know, with Nathan McKinnon and and Landeskog and Rantanen, I mean, we all know who those guys are. And they've got some really good role players who are playing on top of their game right now, like a JT Comfer. So um, is Colorado going to be a pushover? You probably like the matchup more than San Jose. San Jose's got so many big-time names on their roster. They probably don't play as connected as St. Louis does, probably don't have the overall team chemistry that St. Louis does. And St. Louis certainly has the advantage when it comes to goaltending over both of the teams, but including San Jose. Um, you'd have home ice advantage against Colorado, and that's the way I look at it. But you're talking about a team that kind of you know, squeaked in the back door to get in in Colorado versus a team that many considered a Stanley Cup favorite all season long in San Jose. They made the big trade, bringing in Eric Carlson. A lot of people thought San Jose, they were a team of destiny, the way they won Game 7 against Vegas with the five-minute power play. That will never happen again. At least probably won't ever happen again for San Jose. They score four goals in that five-minute major. Um, after being down three games to one against Vegas, everyone's thinking, wow, this is their year. Now they find themselves in a the game seven. But I, I, I really think St. Louis is a team of destiny right now when you look at how everything's kind of coming together.
1: I think the greatest compliment to Jordan Bennington is that we don't really even talk about him. Mm-hmm. They won the game on Sunday that they had to win the elimination game. The shot on Bishop by Pareco was the best video and the best storyline. And you, and by the next day, we're like, wow, you know, you had the, the great pass by Sunquist. We do all these breakdowns, and then we say, oh, by the way, Bennington only gave up one goal. Last night, they win in dramatic fashion, were focused on the shots on goal because you kept thinking, when are they going to score? When are they going to score? And then you look up again and say, oh, Bennington gave up yeah. one goal. And the game they lost, game five at home, he gave up two goals. Mm-hmm. And after the game, and you know these folks way better than I do, but talking to Bobby Plager. Yeah. And he said, you know, I really want to win this. He I missed wanna... the
2: game, by the way. He doesn't even he, watch He doesn't the game. watch. He paces.
1: <laughs> no, I told him in the interview, I said, now you can do the interview because you're standing still. The entire game, mm-hmm. he paces past the press box, yeah. the, the sweet level. He did, he can't watch. He's so nervous. Right. But he said, of course, I want to win it for Bobby Plager and for all the other players. He said, but honestly – I really want our fans to have it. He said, that's Mm -hmm. why I want it more Mm -hmm. than anybody else. But then he pointed at Bennington's locker. And he said, and that guy right there, he's not sitting there, but he said, that's the reason we can win. That's right. And it's amazing if the Blues score two, all right, maybe he only gives up one. I mean, he had the one game against Winnipeg where he gave up six, but that Mm -hmm. game was sort of an aberration. He quietly keeps you in every game. You know, it, it could be, all right, he gave up two, you just get that third goal. He gave up one, get that second goal. Did
0: you see the overhead reaction of his reaction or the overhead shot of his reaction to the game-winning goal? I didn't see it. I did not. He just skates off. There's no, <laughs> there's no fist pump. There's no, he doesn't, like, you know, throw a stick up or anything mm-hmm. like that. Mm-hmm. He just skates out of frame.
1: He said he was getting tired. He said, yeah. oh, it was fun for a while. He said, then I was just ready for it to be over. <laughs> All right, here, I'm looking at the video here. There, it's game over, horns going off. He just skates, <laughs> skates off. out of
2: frame. Very low-key. you got to love the handshakes, though. That's what separates hockey from every other sport. I know baseball has tried to copy hockey in so many different ways with the C on the jerseys, and they try to do the handshakes, I think, a couple years ago, a Canadian, Larry Walker. Of course, he was the one that tried to you know, bring hockey to baseball with the handshakes after a playoff series against the Dodgers, I think. Um, But there's nothing like it to see two teams battle each other in a seven-game series and then shake hands and talk to one another. And I thought the most compelling scene in the handshake line last night was Alexander Steen and Matt Zuccarello who were going at it. They had something going the entire series. And to see them kind of embrace one another and talk to one another. Same with, um, you know, Jamie Benn and Pat Maroon. I mean, it's, it's incredible. I love when the goaltenders pass one another as well it's just the ultimate sign of respect
1: all right moving forward got to win two more series blues have played well it's been a lot of fun where do they improve is the power play just the obvious what
2: two for 22 maybe in this series yeah the power play's got to get better on home ice specifically is where it's got to improve it's been a little bit better on the road than it has been on home ice and and it was good against uh against winnipeg but obviously it struggled against dallas you got to give dallas some credit though You know, they killed off, I think, all 15 chances against Nashville in the first round, and they they carried that over to round two. So whatever they were doing, it was working, and they were so aggressive on their PK. Um, The Blues just look a little bit out of sorts, so hopefully they can clean that up a little bit here heading into round three. All right, Strick is here.
1: If you want to chime in, 855-282-8255. It's the Triad Bank. Take it to the bank text line, 855-282-8255, a game seven for the ages. Breaking that down in Triad Bank brings you Take It to the Bank. You can find them in Frontenac on Clayton Road, about one block west of Lindbergh. Easy to get to from Highway 40, 6440 right there, the Lindbergh exit. Start at triadbanking.com. If you're not real happy with the service you're getting, maybe it's become real and personal. Maybe there's never anybody behind the counter. They always have folks in the lobby, friendly people, and if you're in the business world, you want to expand your business, talk to them about doing a loan. Because that decision is going to be made here in St. Louis, based here since 2005. That's what they did is got together and said, we want folks, the decision makers, instead of going to New York or L.A., let's do business in St. Louis. We know how to get things done here. Stop by, talk to Jim Ragna, anybody on his team, they can help you out. Triadbanking.com is the website, again, in Frontenac on Clayton Road. Strix is here, and again, you can text in and talk to Strick via the text. I have a non important hockey question.
2: Mm. About John Hamm and his scarf? Not, not about okay, John Hamm and the scarf got a lot of play. I, a buddy of mine sent me a text last night. I thought it was great because you know Pat Maroon's son had the jean jacket on and he was talking to John Hamm. There's a question there was a a picture there and he said Oakville jean jackets versus John Burroughs scarves. <laughs> so it was yeah, pretty apropos. I like
1: that. Yeah. And to John Hamm's credit. They did that TV campaign, what, 10 years ago,
0: maybe, mm-hmm.
1: 8, 9, 10, where he had the old blues hat and was talking about how he's a big fan. This yeah. isn't somebody who just got on board. I think it's legit that he is a big-time oh, blues no. fan. He, and, this is not Cardinals my, fan, too. I'm John
2: Hamm. I live in Hollywood right now, but I was born and raised
1: in St. Louis. I have had this hat for 15 years. I have seen Barkley Plager. I have seen Hull and Oates. I have seen Shanny and Janny. I have seen both Flying Cavalini brothers. I've also considered naming my first kid T.J. Oshie Ham, boy or girl. I am, in short, a blues fan, and I have three words for you. Let's go blues. Uh, Willie, wh- what year was that from?
0: It doesn't say, actually.
1: I want to say 09, 2010. Yeah, it's been a there. while. It was right when
0: he started kind of being famous with Mad Men.
1: Mm-hmm. So probably 09, 2010, something along those lines, but he was there.
0: 2009 says a, uh, a YouTube commenter, and to okay. me, they never lie, so...
1: Correct, 100%. And he stayed till the bitter end, which, (laughs) unlike some celebs,
2: he was fired up. He is a diehard. He knows all the players, of course. uh, I I hope he said, Strick, what's up? You going to be on the uh, Covenant (laughs) Hour tomorrow? His unbelievable call of of Ivan Barbashev, you know, earlier in the year when the Blues were in L.A., and, um, you know, he's got a relationship with Mike Caruso now, who uh, runs the the PR department, VP of uh, Public Relations for the Blues, and, and... he's kind of brought John Hand to be a big part of the organization. He was visiting the coaches last night. He was hanging out with the players at the rink and then away from the rink last night in the post, uh, post-celebration post party. So, you know what I mean? That he game... was
1: hugging Oscar Sundquist, and I thought, yes. does Oscar watch old episodes of Mad Men on the <laughs> team fly? It was weird. I mean, it was well, great. I love
0: Sterling Cooper, Draper Price.
1: It's, it's a lot of fun. But my unimportant question was, when did country roads become a thing? Well, wow. you gotta, John you gotta Denver. ask
2: Bernie Federico about that one. Does he know the answer? No, he's asking the same question
1: because it's fun, and I think they did it during overtime last night, which had me wonder: Did they forget during regulation, or was know. it just too tense? They play country. If you haven't been, they play country roads, and the crowds John Denver, stuff. and they sing along. Yes, and I don't know when this started. Does any is that a th- I know glory is a thing. Mm-hmm. Somehow country roads became, I don't know. Like you mid, don't know. Mid,
2: I, mid season.
1: I feel better then cause I don't know when it became a thing, but now if you go to a game, you're waiting for it. You're yeah. expecting it. Yeah. And I love the fact from overtime, first second of overtime until the game ended, nobody sat down. Mm-hmm. That's what I, I was walking in and out of tunnels the there. Thing. Isn't that the coolest yeah. thing? Like the entire built, usually you go to a, sit down. Sit, you're in my way. I can't sit down. Tell the usher. So the everybody, Rams game. everybody was standing oh for an God. hour plus. The Rams
2: it, rules. <laughs> Rams.
1: <laughs> and it
2: appears they don't stop alcohol sales at hockey games. Mm-hmm. You know, like the seventh anything in base.
1: That was not really a factor
2: last night. No, certain. Yeah, I, I asked during, during overtime last night to somebody from the Blues. Like, oh, are they still serving beer right now? And in certain sections they do. And I think like the it's beer like garden. Beer garden and some of those. <laughs> Areas of the building they are <laughs> they continue to sell beer throughout. And then after the game. It was an unbelievable scene. Is there anything like overtime? No. In a, a, game, in a, in a seven, game seven? No.
1: And how about double overtime where the tension level you know, I'm I'm sort of awkward and weird all the mm-hmm. time. I actually saw Chris Kerber in the press box, and I believe it was after the first overtime. And I didn't say hi to him because I was kind of thinking, God, he's probably so nervous. <laughs> he's like, hey, Martin, how you doing? He was, like, acting normal, and I was afraid, like, oh, don't say a word. You mm-hmm. just just wondered <laughs> Like, Robbie Fabry walks by. He's in the press box. He's not playing. Do you acknowledge him? I was like, are the rules different now that it's over? Like, you're afraid to talk to anybody. And This is such just, a, Mar- a Martin thing, by the it way. It just seems like a- nobody
2: else would even think <laughs> like this. And then I
1: got home, and I was listening in the car, and I heard the call of Kerber. So I got home. I'm sitting there in the kitchen by myself. Everybody's asleep. And I sent Kerber a text. I'm having my stellar Artois. texting with
0: Marlo. No, you're drunk texting the Blues Broadcast. No, I wasn't okay.
1: drunk texting. I was I'd stone sober. i just gotten in the kitchen. <laughs> and then I realized, oh, my God, I just texted Ker. It's 1240. <laughs> and, of course, he wrote right back because everybody was up late, right? It was great fun. All right, more hockey talk on deck. The Cardinals had what we call in the news business. A Friday afternoon news dump with last night's game. Harper Homer. They lost 11 to 1,
0: and nobody noticed.
1: Mm. It was a Friday afternoon news dump. Uh, on the way to the break, a reminder Offenburg Hyundai, the place to go for your next vehicle. Doesn't matter if it's a brand new car or a pre owned vehicle, they always have a great selection on lot. Pre owned vehicles, cars for less than $10,000. Maybe there's a kid at school that needs a car. Check them out at OffenburgHyundai.com. And for the brand new cars, you're going to get award winning. Vehicles that Offenburg Hyundai carries because the Hyundai brand over the years has hired the top designers, the top engineers. So great looking vehicles with great gas mileage. It's really about great value and great service. That's what Offenburg Hyundai is all about on the web. Offenburg O'Fallon, Illinois is where you'll find them. Greenmount road is the exit on the way to the break. How about that curbs call as the blues win it in double OT. Blues have the puck. Thomas off the wall. Shoots. And it's in. Let's they go. score. It's the St. Louisan! Pat Maroon. Bring out the zamboni. Pat Maroon just puts the city on his shoulders, and he sends him to the conference finals. A two-one win in double overtime over the Dallas Stars.
0: Never ever saw the stars so bright. And oh. the final scenes will be.